Hey there, welcome to Your Basket is Empty, a space where I sit down with interesting people in DTC, e-com and tech. I'm your host, Tim. So this is Series 3 of 2021 and I'm returning to the agency world. Over the month of August, my guests and I will explore what it's like to grow and navigate a business through the complexities and challenges of an evolving digital landscape. On this episode, I chat with Hannah Russell, co-founder of Mags Creative. Mags Creative are an independent podcast company and the team behind the UK's top podcasts, including Deliciously Ella, Castaway, Limitless, and Who Cares Wins. We discuss how a curated marketplace led to the creation of Mags, creating audio that reaches millions of listeners, not believing the highlights real, the diversity challenge in the podcast space, predictions from 2019, enjoying the early 2020 clubhouse moment, and a new idea to help DIY podcasters level up. Before we get into it, quick word from my sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Clavio, Clavio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Clavio gives you the tools to get growing faster. That's why it's trusted by over 30,000 e-commerce brands. Build your contact list, send emails that pop, and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit clavio.com slash your basket is empty to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com slash your basket is empty. Enjoy the episode. Hannah, welcome to the podcast. How are you and where are you? Hi, Tim. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I am currently in my dad's house, actually. So I'm squatting um, out in leafy Surrey, looking out over lots of trees. Um, and I've just, as I said, sent my one-year-old daughter off to nursery for the day. So we're recording this nice and early and trying to sound calm whilst having had a, a frantic morning putting sun cream on a teething hot child. I think there's not a better way to get through that period than a, a lovely podcast, a lovely discussion about your journey. And exactly. Running a uh, podcast agency. So I'd like to start by by rewinding slightly, uh, and I'd love to learn a little bit more about how layerhome.com led to the creation of Mag's Creative. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Such a blast from the past. Um, so layerhome.com was the first business that I started with my sister, Faith, um, who's still my business partner, um, partner in crime, yin to my yang. Um, and we started a curated online marketplace for, for relatively high-end design furniture. So it was Swedish antique side tables and Danish um, sideboards and really, really, really beautiful, beautiful pieces. And, and we started that and we ran that business for two and a half years. Um, we completely bootstrapped the business and we actually built the business through content marketing. So without really knowing what that was, everything that we were doing was content-led marketing. Um, and we didn't raise any investment and we just kind of built the business and we we were making sales. And But what was really, really interesting was, was the, the kind of content that we were producing and the community that we were building as a result of that. And so we sold the business um, to a competitor called Vinteria who had raised some venture capital um, and were going about things in a completely different way, very technology-led, amazing kind of tech system, going for mass scale. And that that hadn't been our approach. We hadn't really, we hadn't really thought about that. But what we had always always focused on was, was producing really high quality content and as a result, building communities, particularly within the kind of interiors world. So we sold the business and um it wasn't a spectacular sale. It it 
didn't allow me to retire um and and I really um I really want to not contribute to the rhetoric around you know selling businesses and exiting businesses that it's always this massive success story it you know it 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 was what it was and it allowed us to pause and to take a breath but um I think there's a real mystique around the word exit I'm an exited founder and I think you could have sold your business to your mom like you could have sold your business for for 20p and or or or, you know it's not even necessarily about the financials it's about why does selling something make Mm -hmm. it you know of value so we sold the business and um as I said it allowed us to take a, a pause and a moment of reflection or it allowed me to do that um and I think Faye who is my um much better half just kind of got cracked straight on with things which was working with some of the brands and the individuals that we'd met over the last kind of two and a half three years mm-hmm. to, to work on their content marketing campaigns and and building out really interesting pieces of content and and marketing and building campaigns across press across social across various different channels um and so she was doing that effectively as a freelancer and I came on board after you know taking a bit bit longer to sort of think about the idea of starting and running another business um I came on board and and you know we started growing the client list and and thinking about growth but it was very very early on in that in that business that we honed in on audio as as the content medium that we were passionate about that was the most exciting that was clearly you know in its infancy but you know a really really exciting place to be kind of working in so we we very quickly sort of pivoted the business to specialize specifically in audio and and you know as as a highlight podcasts and I'd love to know a little bit more about that transition. Um, what was it that you were seeing that made you think audio is is a is a place for us to to focus on? Was it was it that you were seeing across that client base demand, or was it a mixture of that and kind of just being in the I suppose ecosystem and seeing that it was it was becoming more of a thing? Because obviously, podcasts have been around for a while, but at that you know. Uh, point in time it was kind of a little bit before the explosion that we have now exactly I mean podcasts have been around for many many years and the sort of I guess second renaissance of of podcasts has probably been the last three to four years depending on who you speak to and which market you're in Um, so we were really I guess at that early stage but I can't I can't profess to have had some kind of deep insight into the market that led me to think this is this is going to be big it was actually much more of a personal reaction to the world at the time which was just complete screen fatigue I think scrolling culture Instagram mm-hmm. you know hype was at its absolute sort of zenith and having just run a business that was very much in that world and very much relied on that as a marker of success I was completely exhausted with it, completely personally. And so, you know, the ability and and the option to work on something that was about sound and audio and people's voices and, you know, the quality of of their brains and what they had to say rather than what they looked like was just so invigorating. And I think that, you know, when you feel that energy inside of you and you feel that pull towards something... we we couldn't really ignore it and it was a really big decision because we didn't have loads of podcast clients at the time it was a real decision to say no 
to other types of work and to really focus on on building a business in in the kind of podcast and audio space um and that was scary but I think it it was we were we were able to do that because of this excitement that we felt because it was just so clear that that was something that got out got us out of bed in the morning and made us feel like we were also contributing towards you know a slightly better way of communicating a better way of people listening and and talking and just this something positive rather than as I said this screen fatigue that I personally was really experiencing at the time and I'd love to sort of take a little um look at how the sort of mag's creative process works now can can you give me like i suppose maybe let's start off with the very very quick elevator pitch (laughs) so like what what is mag's creative in its current form and talk me through how you guys turn an idea into i suppose ultimately a listener's ears you know into distribution how does that process work sure so mag's creative is a leading independent podcast company here in the uk so we make shows that reach millions of ears every month Um, And we do that in a couple of different ways. So we work with top tier brands like Facebook and Google to bring their story to life in audio, um, effectively making branded podcasts that people actually want to listen to. And then we also do that by working often with with notable individuals, notable famous faces, famous voices um, to create Mag's Creative Originals, which are shows that we own, we concept, we work in partnership with with the talent to really build an idea that we think has longevity. And then we release those shows and, and we build them over the long term. Can you tell I've done that before, Tim? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> natural. No, I thought yeah. it was good. No, it's great. Yeah, it's a great pitch. Um, so, so that's the business. And we have been around, as I said, for three years. We're currently a full-time team of eight, um, looking to grow that to sort of 10 to 12 by 10 by the end of the summer, probably 12 by the end of the year. Um, so completely, yeah, independently run, independently financed. We've never raised any any capital. Um, and we now make podcasts for a living, which is which is amazing. And you asked about the kind of idea to, to distribution process. And it d- totally depends on the project. So if, if we're working on a show with a brand or an individual who has come to us and said, you know, I don't even have an idea but I know that I want to make a podcast. Um, that's the, <laughs> I've got a know, great voice. I've got a exactly. great voice. You, got, you guys great, take it from there. Yeah. I've got a great voice or, um, you know, do you think I should be in the podcast space or there are, you know, conversations that we have that are so nascent that are so kind of idea stage is pre idea stage. Um, and I guess what, what we do then with a client is really work out what is the reason for you to exist in the podcast space. And so we have, a really, really great concepting process, which is about, you know, who who are you, whether you're a brand or an individual, what do you want to communicate? You know, what's already out there? How can we be different from that? Should we do a podcast, you know, without doing ourselves out of business? But is this the right medium? Is this do we really think that we can make something here that is exciting and interesting and that we'd be proud of? And so that concepting process is absolutely fundamental to a, a sort of successful podcast um, process for us. Um, and it's then around, you know, you, you sort of all come together, you go through this process, it sort of takes anywhere between two to six weeks. Um, and at the end of that process, you you all feel like you're on the same page because you've really, you know, you've pulled all of the ideas out, you've, you've chucked away the rubbish ones, you've hopefully got something that you think is a really strong podcast concept. And, you know, you can pitch it, you can pitch it to each other. Um, and you're then all aligned on, you know, what are we doing and why are we doing it? it's then about the nuts and bolts of making it happen. So 
is it a straightforward one-on-one interview show podcast Mm -hmm. is it a panel show is it you know is it a a sort of more narrative storytelling show where we're pulling in clips from lots of different places is it musically led all of those things then come out in the production and we've got an amazing production team that kind of make all of that happen given the pandemic a lot of that is obviously happening remotely but we are moving back to the studio at the moment um and we're sort of expecting as the world is I think a fairly hybrid approach if shows work better because they're in person if it's fiction or you know there's a real emotional connection that needs to be built and we think that that's going to be done better in person than we'll be in the studio but a lot of it is able to be done remotely and we were very lucky um we were very lucky that that was that was possible throughout the last kind of 18 months um yeah so recording the editing process the mixing process the distribution process going out across um kind of apple spotify all of the major listening platforms and then i guess a part of the process that we build in from the start but you might only see at the end is the audience growth so Mm -hmm. you know we started out life as a content and marketing agency we absolutely put audience growth marketing promotion at the heart of every project that we do and i think as a podcast agency that definitely sets us apart lots of amazing companies have been born out of kind of radio backgrounds or sound design backgrounds and and I think they produce excellent work um but what we have always focused on is how do we get as many people as possible to listen to this um and so that's that whole kind of audience growth project is is a big part of what we do as well so that's a nice segue into my next question because it's something um I think often gets asked in the podcast world um and I appreciate that the answer is going to be it depends but let's explore it like what are relevant and useful stats or return on investment metrics that you know one should consider if they're embarking on a podcast journey is it simply listeners is it uh downloads is it how how do you guys sort of go about that sort of process i would say there are as you as you referenced there are so many different answers to this question and you know if we are working with someone who has a very clear target audience and actually they need to reach 200 people in the world because those 200 people are the decision makers in Mm -hmm. their industry and they want their show to become a thought leadership piece and they want those 200 people to know about this show that's your goal you know it's it's not mass appeal it is how do we get Mm -hmm. the best show that is going to appeal to these 200 people really highly targeted they're going to listen and they're going to listen again so I guess you could take that kind of that data point a step further and say yes it's reaching those 200 but it's then we want them to be returning listeners and we want their listen through rate to be really high as well so you can work out what your initial kind of objective is I think and then build some really strong KPIs around that but some of the shows we reach some of the shows we make the objective is mass appeal and you know from the get-go it is about how do we reach as many people as possible um, and do you therefore make a show that you know, it is not niche. It is mass appeal. Mm-hmm, it is mm-hmm. easy listening. It is. So they're, they're completely different objectives, I think. Um, but, you know, some of the ones that we would look at are, you know, who's the target audience? What is the listen through rate? That's a really good one. I think particularly with people where um, they are individual podcasters who are looking to build an audience. I would say content, 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 and the way that you're going to work out how good is your content is what is the listen through rate. So if you're, you know, a person building a podcast, starting a podcast, um, I would say really focusing on that listen through rate, 
is incredibly important. Um, but for brands and sponsors, I think it's it's got to be com- conversational because if you just focus on the top line figure of listeners, then you know some of some of the most highly targeted shows in in the world are not going to be reaching mass 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 numbers, but they are reaching the people that that sponsor may want to speak to. Yeah, I suppose as a um, that's really interesting insight as a consumer of of lots of podcasts. And if you think about the broad spectrum, kind of like any sort of content or media you consume, right? Some things you do it for pure escapism and kind of binge worthiness, <laughs> you know, like, um, I don't know, taking a, a slightly uh, random example, like a Love Island type thing. That's, you know, yeah. binge worthy television and it's mass, 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 you know. Millions and you're and switching your brain off. Exactly. Mindless. Yes, it's not, exactly. It's not educating you. It's not. And that's fine. You know, it, if anything, it's uneducating you. But it it it's about just being a little bit mindless. And I think true crime sometimes for me fills that genre, which Definitely. is it's just you switch it on. You think you're not really often listening. You are listening, but you're not learning, engaging, absorbing. Um, and that's that serves that purpose. <laughs> It's so funny because I compare that to, so I, in fact, I was listening to it this morning. Um, there was an Economist podcast done in the uh, 2020 presidential elections called Checks and Balance and super, super interesting podcast. Um, and they've continued on post the, the presidential election in, in America. And I think about the contrast of that, which is super in-depth, you know, it's quite nerdy, yeah. very, very, very intense, but really interesting. And then, yeah, I compare that to some of the, the true crime stuff. And it's not, it's nice to have a balance, right? Nice to have a balance. Exactly. They, they, they all serve a purpose. Yeah. Um, you, you've obviously touched on it already. And, and I do want to explore in a, in a little detail. And that is sort of yourself and, and faith. But I, I picked up on something as I was doing a bit of research and um, you guys have got a cool highlights reel or you've got a, a nice section on your site where you talk about like running the business. And in that you suggest that a good approach is to not believe the highlights reel. And this is one of many, many things that you guys talked about, but I'd love to just like, just, uh, just focus in on that a little bit and, and tell me a little bit more about this and, and why you think it's important. Oh, it's just been such a bugbear of mine. Um, I think starting our first business, I looked around and I looked at business founder Instagram accounts or LinkedIn accounts or company LinkedIn accounts or Instagram accounts and thought, oh, my God, everyone is smashing it. (laughs) Everyone is absolutely killing it. Is there no one that thinks, oh, my God, this is actually taking quite a long time or... God, what am I, what am I doing here? Or, you know, it it was just this real sense for me of there's this facade of amazing, amazing, amazing business is amazing. Everything's going great. We're, we're going to, you know, sell for $2 billion tomorrow. And we started yesterday. Um, And it really, I found it, I really struggled with it. I really, really struggled to accept that, uh, that was not reality. Um, and it was a little bit before this whole kind of movement of um, Insta reality and entrepreneurs being maybe much more open. And actually, I think now some of the glamour around entrepreneurialism is in people saying how hard it is and, you know, being building in public and this whole kind of separate movement, which I, I think is is a bit more real. Um, but for me, I just personally really struggled with the idea of, of how hard it was for me and I also want to reference that you know being an entrepreneur is not being a doctor is not saving lives Mm. is not there are lots and lots of other professions that are 
way, way harder. But that doesn't take away from the fact that building a business is still quite hard. Um, and I did struggle with it. And I did look at other people and think, God, you, you know, you make it look really easy. And I think it's really important to me now to try in, in just any conversation I have with anyone to be as real as possible. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think um, particularly, you know, places like LinkedIn, they're kind of, it's a, it's a litany of like success <laughs> on all yeah. fronts. And you just think like far out. And I, I, I think it's interesting because I think it can, it can work sometimes in your favor because it's a real sort of um, driver to think, oh, well, if, if they can do it, I can do it. Like, well, you know, it's, 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 it's a real driver. But then at the same time, that just the sheer volume of it can, can, can be overwhelming. And um, yeah, what, what, where, what is the, 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 the measuring stick of success and how long and where does it start and end and and yeah I think that the there's definitely I, I noticed that that a sort of a real type entrepreneurial business founder who's kind of more open and sort of talks about the realities of things and things don't go so well and and so forth is is, is a refreshing <laughs> place for us to be um, it is and I and I also think as individuals any form of comparison to someone else is just so detrimental because you, you you're looking at someone's you know what they've chosen to share with you even the even the the honest founders you know who are posting something on linkedin they still might have investors they still have customers they still are presenting necessarily a, a portion of their life and their experience that they choose to there's so much other shit going on you know and <laughs> com comparison genuinely is the thief of joy and it i i will get it tattooed on my yes. forehead one day i think because it you know i need to remember it every single day because i am absolutely you know victim to to comparison and and thinking god you know that person's doing this or whatever but it it can also be a driver i agree yeah. whether that's healthy or not i'm not sure but <laughs> yeah well I, that, I'm, I'm gonna lean into it because sometimes i do my best work off of, off of a little bit of um competitor fire in my belly yeah yeah i suppose uh you know like um balance is always an interesting concept here of you know like using it as a driver but also not getting too um sucked into that and and it becoming negative or or, yeah. or a, a space you you don't want to be in mm. so as an observer, uh, it's clear to me that, that you and the team are, are really committed to um, ensuring the podcast space is as diverse as it can be. Um, can you talk me through the things that you guys are doing um, and why do you think this is important? It's something we're really passionate about and something that we're working really, really hard to take the right steps. Um, and take them meaningfully and thoughtfully. Um, we, this year, are running um, the Summer Podcast Academy, which is an opportunity for 12 podcasters from underrepresented communities to come together for six weeks. It's not it's not a full-time six-week program, but for six weeks of learning, of community, of mentorship, and essentially, you know, an opportunity for, for us as an agency with sort of three years of deep industry knowledge to share that with individuals who may not otherwise have that opportunity. Um, and I think it's really, it's a really interesting, interesting in industry. God, that's a tongue twister <laughs> because, you know, essentially the, the, the pull of podcasting, I think is that you, you know, 
technically anyone can do it Mm -hmm. you can you know Mm -hmm. you can open your phone and you can record and you can um distribute it for free and you know there's this there, there is this real democracy to it um but I think there are still gatekeepers within the industry there are still uh structural inequalities that exist across every industry mm-hmm. um which mean that whilst we might talk about podcasting as this free liberating method for anyone to get their story out there in reality it it often isn't um so whether you're you know a commissioner at one of the big commissioning platforms like the BBC or mm-hmm. now Spotify and Amazon or you know, whatever your role is, we are in a position of power in that we can choose to invest in some shows, we can choose to work with individuals, we can choose, you know, we we do have a position of power. And I think it's important for us as much as possible, as a, you know, independent, relatively small company with limited resources to do something. Um, and we um, launched the Summer Podcast Academy, I think we opened applications four weeks ago, and we closed them last week. And we had so many applications from such interesting, exceptional podcasters. So we'll be announcing the results of that. By the time this podcast goes out, the Podcast Academy will be will be running and will be live. But we're just so excited to to work with some of these individuals. Um, And I think it's going to be a a real opportunity for us to learn from people as well. Yeah, it's so interesting. It's there's so many parallels between that and the direct consumer space. I think where the barriers to entry are so low now, technology is there, you can do it, but there's still that challenge of kind of like cutting through and mm. breaking the mold of uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, that's a whole other topic. The, you know the 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 socio political structures that we uh, <laughs> are confined by in our, yeah. in our capitalist society, which I, yeah, I totally get. So that, that's so interesting that, that you guys are like trying to sort of bake that into the DNA so early on, you know, and, and like leaning into the agency that you've got being small and independent at this point, I think is great. And I also think learning, you know, we really, that's something I would say is one of our kind of values as a business is, we really 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 rate continued learning so we never think that we've got something you know done and ticked off and Mm -hmm. finished and we don't have to think about it again um and I think that's the case with this with the academy it's the second year that we're running it last year we mentored three individuals this year we're mentoring 12 over six weeks and it feels like we're really kind of up leveling what we're able to do but I think it will be a continued process of how can we best operate in this space um in a way that is you know is useful and helpful and um yeah positive so we've we've touched on ever so slightly in this conversation of of 24 minutes and 59 seconds (laughs) um but i want i want to go back to 2019 when we first met i think it must have been i reckon it was about october 2019 and i was really struck by obviously everything that you guys were doing and you as an individual and being incredibly just you know real passionate and exciting and you know i remember you distinctly saying 2020 is going to be the year (laughs) of max creative and i was really taken by that and i would love to this is a bit of a loaded question i appreciate but bear with me like why was it that you thought in october 2019 that 2020 was going to be the year and then just give me a very sort of like high level synopsis of like how things have, have have gone since then oh god I feel like this is a podcast episode in and of itself, Tim. <laughs> um, so I think 
uh, end of 2019, we were, we had, we were established, you know, we, we were making podcasts, we were really good at what we did. And it felt like 2020 was going to be the year that, you know, we'd grown up and we were able to really, really, really capitalize on that. Um, We had big, big ambitions in the kind of um, owned originals, uh, director brand sponsorship revenue part of the business. Um, And I think none of what I predicted happened. So, you know, we had, we, we met in October, 2020 and I, you know, was already sort of forecasting for, for the, sorry, October, 2019. And I was already forecasting for, for 2020. Um, and, you know, absolutely, obviously none of what I predicted came to pass. And I also think that, you know, it was a relatively selfish thing for me to say, because I was also going on maternity leave. <laughs> um from so I I was pregnant when we met um my daughter was born in May 2020 I you know started self-isolating as as everyone did um from March 2020 and so I just had this idea that um you know everything was going to explode in 2020 and I also sort of brushed under the carpet the fact that you know I was I was going to be in a baby world for some of that time um and what did happen was that the pandemic hit in in March 2020, um, and we very quickly, thanks to our amazing um, head of audio kit, moved everything to be able to record remotely. Um, there was obviously panic, and there was obviously, you know, real real concern that we had a week. I think where we lost our listener figures dropped about 20%. I think across every single show. Um, and we just thought, oh, my God, you know, the, the podcast listening audience is generally listening on the commute. Mm-hmm. That is that was the thinking at the time. You would make a, a show that was 30 to 40 minutes long because that was the average London commute. People were listening in the mornings and the evenings. It was just really neat and really easy. Um, and the commute stopped. So, you know, we lost 20 percent of our of our um, listening figures. But it came back very, very quickly. Um, and the listening habits are very different now people listen more at home um people actually listen more now to podcasts than they did previously so I think the average listening time's gone up by about 30 minutes um from pre-pandemic to now people listen on the move when they go for their walks or you know in the car so all of that all of that massively changed um we did lose a lot of brand upcoming brand sponsorship deals that we thought we would have for our originals um Mm -hmm. But we also have worked with some incredible clients over the last year who maybe had thought they were going to be spending their budget on video content and weren't able to do so because it's pretty difficult to do that not in person. So there was just this real like, as with every industry, this real kind of throwing up in the air of everything, a moment of panic. um, And then everything seemed to just settle over the course of the last sort of 12 to 18 months. But I, you know, I just have to give complete credit to the team um but also to my sister and and business partner Faith because she single-handedly at times led you know led the business and led the team through a really really difficult period and from May to you know summertime really I was completely out of action um and just in you know new baby land um and she I think has done it extraordinarily well because we're we're, you know now in in 2021 and the business grew over you know the last year and really set us up for 
a, a really, really interesting year this year and, and hopefully into the future. And one more thing, I feel like I've just rabbited on, but I think that um, that kind of short term thinking of 2020 is going to be the year that, you know, it's all going to happen. I also feel like I learned a huge lesson from saying that as well, because we're not building a business that's going to be made or, you know, broken or made in a year. We're building a business that we really believe has, you know, longevity and has a, has a reason to exist over the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. So um, I think that kind of thinking about, you know, this is this year is the year for us. I would really um, I would really question my sort of former self and, and probably not think in that way in the future. I certainly didn't take it like that. I saw it as more, this is an inflection point. You guys are sort of, you're going up a gear. Mm. Maybe that, that was my, that was my sort of take on it. It wasn't, wasn't as much of like, this is the year and, 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 you know, we'll, we're, we're then set from, from 2020 onwards. It was really, I could see the passion and drive and the opportunities. Weirdly, it's like, yeah, I think, that's why I wanted to get your take on it because my observation was it was the year. <laughs> mm. Do you know what I mean? In some ways, yeah. it, like like the, you know, audio became a huge thing. Um, you know, y- y- yeah. I mean, I think any 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 sort of digital business had a slump of some description. You know, lost business clients, listeners, whatever it was. But then there was probably some sort of you know uptick, and then you know we've carried on. So yeah, no, it was. I just thought it was a, uh, a poignant thing for us to, to touch on given the, the time period and what's happened since then. Um, I suppose something that happened early into 2020, and I know that you, you were very much part of and, 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 and maybe still part of, is, is Clubhouse. Mm. <laughs> I'd love to talk through, because I, I, you, were, you were really, really, um, uh, I, I was an early joiner and you were instrumental in me getting on board. I was really... Um, uh, fascinated with all the stuff that you were involved in, particularly going back to some of the the um, questions I had before. You you had a really interesting um, room where you were talking about diversity in in podcasts, and it was funny because I was in another room which was all about growing podcasts, and the, just the dichotomy of the two was just crazy. Mm. Like one of them was just pure tech bro bullshit, and <laughs> your one was like it was okay. F- you know, truthfully, it was a smaller room. I'll say that, you know, it wasn't as many people, yeah. but the conversation just was so much more intelligent and, and interesting. But I'd love to get your take on 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 that, I suppose, technology, but then maybe, you know, live audio as a concept. I think it's incredibly interesting. Um, I think that it was very much of the moment. So I think there was this real point, uh, as you said, sort of earlier this year um where there was complete lockdown fatigue it was winter there was very little to do and clubhouse in the uk certainly because it's been around in in the us for for longer just had this moment and it just had this and and probably as well within very much within a kind of bubble within an echo chamber there was like you know every entrepreneur i know every podcaster i know everyone within my little you know my little ecosystem was either thinking about getting onto clubhouse or talking about clubhouse and so so i i spent a lot of time on clubhouse and really 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 enjoyed it really as with everything voice and and audio based really loved listening to people have you know meaningful conversations really think that there is something in there around you know people conversing and being forced to converse out loud rather than being keyboard warriors able to sort mm-hmm. of type trolling mm-hmm. stuff to people I, I think again and it's you know the interactivity takes podcasts a kind of step further but 
the the rhetoric in the podcasting industry at the time was will clubhouse kill podcasting and I just thought that was just very um just kind of limiting because it's a totally different medium and if anything clubhouse I think or social audio live audio in general brings people into the listening space and that's that's a good thing that's an absolutely you know positive thing and it kind of comes back to what we were talking about earlier around um different different horses for different courses different mm-hmm. podcasts different shows different yep. listening experiences I'm I run a podcast company and I listen to you know BBC Sounds Radio 4 yep. I listen to the radio in the morning because I want to know what's going on in the yep. world that doesn't you know that doesn't detract from the fact that I also listen to lots and lots of other things throughout the day but I think there are different needs and and audio is able to fill that in different ways and at different points throughout the day I think in terms of where it's going to go, I think it's really fragmented at the moment. Um, And obviously everyone is now launching based off of Clubhouse's sort of breakaway success. You sort of question whether what their point of difference is that they are going to be able to continue to own listeners um, when you have platforms like Twitter who already have much, much bigger audience bases who are then moving into the the live audio space and able to just convert people seamlessly from tweets to listening. and I think I think it's something still to kind of play out. I don't spend that much time on Clubhouse anymore. Um, it was actually one of the things that just had to go because um, I physically couldn't keep up with the mm-hmm. schedule. And, and mm-hmm. there was also a real mania I felt around being on Clubhouse and, you know, speaking. And it was this sort of land grab of, I, uh, you know, while this is a nascent platform, let's um, get as many followers and as, ma- as many listeners as possible. Um, but I do think it's interesting. I think it will it will continue to be a complementary medium to kind of podcasting and, and radio um, and be used as a marketing tool and an engagement tool for podcasters who want to speak to their audience directly and hear from their audience directly. Um, I think there's a lot of value that, that can be got from social audio. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting insights. Um, I feel that having done a, um, a, a webinar <laughs> I don't know how old that word is. It sounds very <laughs> archaic now, doesn't it? A webinar. <laughs> it was like, uh, and and the we were trying to use Zoom webinar function, and it worked totally fine. And, and people can put up their hands, but I was just thinking, yeah, there's there's something in obviously that the like you said the the live audio concept you can kind of dip in dip out. It's really really good, like a like a mm. news radio thing. It's super super interesting. However, for for live events, it's that kind of technology where you can kind of come on stage and everyone's kind of listening in was it would have been very useful so I assume that there'll be some more developments across different technology platforms to allow a more clubhouse type experience to be in the event space because it would have been very handy in our zoom webinar format to have more of a clubhouse feel um, and it's, it's also I think interesting to for I guess for communities and brands themselves to think about the technology because um there's a really interesting app called peanut which is essentially a sort of women's app for it started out as for new mums um to uh, meet yeah, other yeah. new mums yep. and now has branched out into women who are also struggling with fertility or so it's, it's just this amazing app and they have a clubhouse-esque feature as a part of the app so they're not driving people to clubhouse they're not driving people to twitter they just it's relatively simple technology they built the technology they now have you know these conversations within the existing confines of the of the peanut app and I think that's a really interesting development as well is this just going to become technology that's going to become 
baked in to lots of services um, as opposed to us driving people to another platform, another kind of social media network. It could, I think it could be a mixture of the both. So I want to switch gears slightly and talk about a very interesting initiative that you guys are about to embark on. So you, you, you're, you're about to sort of uh, launch a community-based concept that will help podcasters level up. Talk me through the idea and uh, give me some insight um, as to where you guys are at. We're, yeah, we're really excited to launch this. So it's called The Co-Host. Um, and this sort of strategy, business idea, community is built out of the fact that we are an agency model business. We, you know, we work with brands and individuals who use us as, you know, an agency. So our, our commercial model is not really set up to help an individual podcaster. So we were receiving lots and lots of inbound inquiries from people who have launched a podcast, who have found an audience, who are incredibly passionate about the stories that they want to tell. And the language was always around leveling up. How do I take this to the next level? How do I take this from being something that I've completely DIY to something that feels, you know, slightly more professional or, you know, whatever that goal is. And they're all, these, these people are incredibly ambitious for their podcasts. They, you know, they want this podcast to be a part of their career and their life for, for the longer term. They're making great content. They're doing it consistently. All of the things that we would, you know, we would say to them. So, and and we, the commercials of our business as it's currently set up and an individual who has started a podcast as a side hustle or a hobby, they don't match up. So we were, it was very disheartening to you know have really interesting people coming and knocking on the door and saying, I'm making a podcast about this or this or this or this or this. Can you help me? And us saying, no, 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 no. And, you know, as much as possible, we would do one-on-one um, -on -one phone calls and mm -hmm. whatever you can do because you're often very excited by these concepts or by these podcasts. Um, but it's not scalable. And, mm -hmm. you know, Charlotte, who is my um, head of, uh, partnerships and, and commercial at, at Max Creative um, she was doing the bulk of this work and we just reached a point where we thought we have to do something because we either stop replying to these emails which we would never do um, or we, we build a solution and we have something that we're able to um, to share with these people and these amazing podcasters that will help them to take their podcast to the next level and so we're, we're developing the co-host which is essentially a community-based um it's a subscri subscription-based community platform whereby ambitious independent podcasters can come together to learn from one another but also to learn from industry experts so there will be q a sessions um in-depth workshops and also the ability for people to work together on the building of their shows because i think a key concept that we really believe with independent podcasters is that you need to find your tribe you, you you know finding other podcasters who are in similar but maybe not completely um competitive spaces and being able to build your audiences at, together and the sea sort of rising together is just such an important and powerful tool for people in audience growth um with podcasts so we're launching the co-host it's launching at the end of september you can go to the co.host now to sign up um with your email address um, and we'll notify you when things go live but we're just really really excited to see how it goes and you know again it's it's something it's a relatively new initiative for us we're a relatively small team but i think it's something that we hope will be both really useful um but ultimately a scalable part of the business for us as well.
So interesting. I think it's a great move. Like any of that recurring revenue concept, certainly as an agency model, is certainly um, really key to making sure that those um, well, the business has got that 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 kind of component built into it. Um, mm. And then there's and obviously huge demand. You know, like people want to learn and be. Yeah, the tribe thing is so interesting. So interesting because you know the the show. Some of the shows that we make are in the top. You know, one or half a percent of shows worldwide but there's 99 percent of other podcasters out there there is a huge number of people who start a podcast because they've got stories or conversations that they are incredibly passionate about having and they don't have a team of professionals behind them you know booking the guests and and building the audiences and thinking about monetization but we are really hoping that this platform will feel like that team will allow people who are ambitious and who do have kind of professional ambitions for their show um to to have a support system um both in professionals and in other podcasters um we're kind of coming up to the 42 minute marks i'm going to switch gears a little bit and i think we should start to sort of bring the the story arc to a bit of a a a a close i would love to understand what you'd be doing if you weren't running mags creative Oh, Tim, such a good question. It's going to make me question everything about my life. <laughs> Shall I have a meltdown on air? Um, what would I be doing if I wasn't running Rise Creative? Um, I have two very polar opposite answers to this. Um, I think I would make a very good contract lawyer. Um, I really, really enjoy a contract. Wow, <laughs> I, very interesting. I, I really like the um, the certainty and the language and the yeah. I I I just really really like finding my way around a contract. Um, and I really like understanding a little bit about the law just from a, you know, a lay person. I'm I'm definitely not a lawyer, <laughs> but I think I would have made a good lawyer. Um, or I. I'm also really, 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 really fascinated by talking therapy and counselling and have done a lot of it myself as a participant um, and have really thought a lot about how powerful it is and how amazing it would be to be someone who was facilitating that kind of that power for other people. So whether I think some somewhere between kind of um counseling psychotherapy um and coaching i i'm not sure which avenue i would have i would have gone down but something around that kind of the power of unlocking people's own understanding of themselves and what that can do to to change your life i i find very interesting i'm wondering is there something in therapy for corporate lawyers <laughs> Maybe in a podcast format, though, Tim. Exactly. Yeah, Audio-based subscription. Oh, my God. All uh, the therapy for corporate here. lawyers. All right, We've there we it. go. We've nailed done. my Cracked dream it. life. Yeah. Um, and then I would love to understand, like, what does Mags Creative look like in 2023? Again, a really good question. And I, we don't have a five-year plan. We, you know, we have a 12-month plan and, and – and we work from that but I think what I would hope that we would do consistently over the, the continued growth of the business is to produce really really brilliant shows and to challenge ourselves so you know the the industry has changed so much in the three years that we've been a part of it and we continue to to respond to that change and hopefully in some cases drive that change so 
I couldn't tell you how many staff we'd have or you know what our turnover would be but I can tell you that as a team I would hope that we are challenging ourselves driving the industry forward challenging ourselves challenging the industry making really really amazing amazing content working with great clients and just being a great place to work as well um so that's that's hopefully where we'll be in in 2023 that sounds amazing Hannah, I think that's a great place to end the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Tim. It's been an absolute blast. There you go. Massive thank you to Hannah for joining me. You can check them out at magscreative.co.uk. Before I go, a quick word for my sponsor, Clevio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. If you want to learn more, go visit them at clevio.com slash your basket is empty. And as always, if you like the episode, please leave a review, subscribe, download, and tell all your mates to do exactly the same. I'll see you next time. Taking notes.